Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Some of the episodes that I do will feel like I'm taking you out of your philosophical comfort zone, and I'm okay with that. It would not serve you if I held back, and I would feel like I'm betraying myself in my mission. My hope is that I can present challenging content that I know is valuable in a way that is accessible and inviting to you. My aim is to strike a balance between the men's work and the practical resources that we know helps men and the more philosophical and mythical themes that I'm drawn to explore and find expression for. It's a balancing act between creating a more uplifting narrative using myth and stories and giving you practical tools that you can use for the challenges that you face as a man. None of my more mystical leanings exclude any particular philosophy, not really anyways. You can be a Christian or a Buddhist or an atheist or just about anything and draw from the spiritual wellspring. That is what it's there for. The hero's journey inevitably takes you on a faint trail. So when you find fellow travelers that have found a useful map or an approach to a particular challenge you will face, my instinct is to share the map, share the gold, and let you see how it aligns with your inner work that you're undertaking. If you are just beginning to enter into a phase that feels more scary and perhaps more heroic, I welcome you. Inside these conversations will be metaphorical flashlights for the dark night that every hero and heroine inevitably face. And I'll leave you with a quote from the poet Narithra. It says, quote, I always knew that I would take this road, but yesterday I did not know it would be today, unquote. My guest today is a fellow seeker and student of consciousness. Ziad Masri is the author of the number one best-selling book, Reality Unveiled, which I consider to be one of the more transformative books in recent times. He is also a highly successful online entrepreneur in multiple arenas. Following nearly two decades of spiritual seeking, he experienced a series of very powerful spiritual awakenings, which have led him to dedicate his life to helping people transcend their limited sense of self and awaken to their true, limitless nature. Here is my interview with Ziad Masri. Okay, I am here with Ziad Masri. Ziad, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, and uh, you live in Dubai, correct? I do. So this is this is the most long distance interview I've done. How are things with the COVID nineteen all the way over there? Are you? Is it been really drastic for you guys? Um, the actual situation isn't too bad. I think the official reported number is about 4,500 cases and 25 deaths so far. Uh, so not too bad, but the government here has taken pretty drastic measures to try to curtail it. So like if you want to exit the house, you get an actual, you go to the police website, you need to fill out a per, get a permit. Now they're approved within like five minutes, which is good. Like you yeah. go get groceries and all that. But that's been the case for us. Uh, personally, I haven't felt too much of a difference given uh, <laughs> just kind of my wife and I are homebodies. We got a little infant. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. One, of those, one of those memes I saw actually resonated with me. It was like, when you find out your normal lifestyle is called quarantine. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed a spiritual teacher, uh, yoga teacher, when I asked her, how COVID-19 was impacting her. And she basically said, oh, not so much. This is kind of what I normally do. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the same thing. So, so I mean, I was curious, like, I follow a lot of spiritual teachers, uh, you know, so I'm kind of tapped into the spiritual perspective a little bit. And um, I was just kind of curious, 
off the get-go, like what, what are some of the larger themes that you're seeing in terms of spiritual development in relation to this? Um, do you see this as like some silver lining in it? Or do you see this as a sign of the times? What, what are some of the things that you see in what's happening that might have larger consciousness impact? Yeah, I mean, for sure, I see it. Not just a silver lining, I think uh, just beyond the, the tragic aspect of it, which there is obviously, there are people you know dying and people suffering economically and all that, but just beyond that, I see tremendous positive things that could come out of this uh, in terms of a shift into higher consciousness. And I actually, you know, I think this is part of the, the visible part, the obviously globally visible part uh, of a great shift of awakening that I wrote about in my book. You know, it, it, to me, I do look at this as a grand awakening of sorts of consciousness. Not that it hadn't already been happening. I, I feel it's been happening for quite some time now. But something so global where as a, you know, as humans, we're going through something all at once together mm-hmm. as a collective, I think draws great parallels to um, what actually happens in a personal spiritual awakening. So in an authentic spiritual awakening, Anyone who's gone through it knows it's not roses and butterflies. It's not these things that you sometimes you see on like people posting on Facebook. Oh, I'm always so happy, <laughs> you know, right. which is which is fine. But it's not like that. It, it, it's really more of a dark night of the soul. You go through, you know, a lot of stuff and and a lot of the deep unconscious kind of darkness that you don't want to face is what comes up for you to face, for you to meet. And I feel. Um, that's happening now on a collective level for the first time um, kind of in unison, so to say. And so what's happening is we are being shown our fears are coming up to the surface, our uncertainties uh, about the future. A lot of the things that we took for granted are kind of being taken and being taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beliefs we had are kind of crumbling. Uh, so, so much is occurring that to me really parallels what happens in, in a personal spiritual awakening where they, they sometimes, you know, you kind of feel like the whole floor, the whole rug is being pulled out from under you. And um, this is kind of what's happening on a global level. Now, how you react or deal with that really makes all the difference. And so if you get really sucked into the negativity and the fear and the doubt and all that, and you're like listening just to all the mainstream media and, and, and which obviously, you know, wants to firm for, you know, the majority of it just wants to promote fear because that's, you know, that's what gets good ratings and there's Mm -hmm. other agendas there, but we won't get into that. But the point is that, you know, that's, uh, if you get sucked into that, then it's just going to be this thing where it just feeds itself. Right. And and there's really not going to be any growth that comes out of it. But if you look at these things and you start with awareness, allowing them to come up to the light of consciousness and seeing these fears and trying to remain centered, i.e. kind of trying to remain in the eye of the storm. So mm-hmm. the storm is going all around you. Everything's going crazy. But can you remain centered uh, and uh, kind of be that witness that sees the stuff coming up and uses it to... Uh, kind of shift into this higher state of consciousness 
that allows you to transcend these fears and these uncertainties or to transmute them into something more positive. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I think it's a very overall, it's actually a very beneficial thing for humanity because we needed some kind of shock. I mean, the status quo is just (laughs) not working clearly. Also, what I'm noticing on a micro level too is, you know, here in the West, you know, this kind of culture of distraction with, uh, you know, movies, um, sports, you know, I'm somebody that has a spiritual practice, but the culture, I I get easily diverted into talking about football and all these things. So, so spiritual growth was happening, but all of a sudden with everything taken away, I'm like, you know, my, my most powerful move is to sit in silence or to sit in gratitude or to Mm -hmm. uh, do mantras or something. And it's like, all of a sudden I'm sensing, whoa, we're all kind of in retreat together, focusing on the most important things, which is the people around us caring about one another, um, you know, not buying into the fear. So it's like, it's like this really intense meditation retreat that we're all participating in, even though we didn't sign on, but it's like, oh, here we are are doing it. Yeah. 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 No, and I think that's a great point. I think for me personally, Mm. my spiritual growth took you know, the biggest kind of acceleration forward once I started um, dropping distractions. So I used to be a huge sports fan, like addicted to following the NBA and all that. And, um, and that actually fell away by itself about a year ago before this. Um, one day I just looked at, and I was about to go check the scores and I'm like, what if I just didn't? Mm-hmm. And I noticed how much there was a craving to do it and i'm like wow i'm literally addicted to this yes and i looked at it and i was like i didn't realize it was that bad until i asked the question it was just an innocent question that just kind of arose spontaneously yeah. and it was like what if i just did it and i'm like no no i can't i just can't and it was the most exciting season in history <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it was like how could I? and then i was like let me just try it for a day and i did it for a day and then the second day and, the, and then you know what the first few days was kind of hard And then this peace came and it was like, huh, wow, it's actually so much better without it. And I didn't know that could even be possible because I realized how much of a distraction it was. And not just a distraction, how much it was actually this feeding this kind of addictive quality of the ego itself. And I noticed that in so many other aspects. And then I started dropping one thing after the other, after the other. And every time I did, it became better. So now we're being faced, like you said, we're having to do, to do that. And yeah, that, that all, that can only lead to good if you take advantage of it, even in in the smallest sense. I agree. Well, that's one attachment you and I have shared is I, I've also been a huge, huge sports addict. I, I feel like I've had to drop every single attachment. I have one really one left and that's coffee. I cannot still break <laughs> my coffee addiction. I'm like, please don't take this last one away from me. Uh-huh. I have a feeling it's coming as a, you know, a fork in the road, just as development, just to say, no, you should probably drop that for a while too, just to see how you do. You know, you're not going to die. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be, see the mind makes it this future thing, like I'll have to do it forever, but there is no forever. There's now and then now and then now. So can you do it now? Just baby steps. And then, it builds a momentum of its own. But but the reality is that you realize that everything in life is essentially an escape. Yeah. Everything is an escape from the present moment because we don't want to face how we really feel, which is, you know, that the kind of the unhappiness beneath the surface. So if you take away your escapes, that's when some real 
spiritual development can occur. It's, it's actually an amazing practice to do. And again, now it's kind of happening naturally, which is very interesting. Absolutely. Well, let, let's yeah. talk. I, I read, I loved your book, by the way. Your book is so well written. You did a great job on that. Um, the, the title is Reality Unveiled, The Hidden Keys of Existence That Will Transform Your Life and the World. It's so good. One of the things I loved about it is that you you took some really difficult material and made it really accessible, such as Law of One, which we're going to talk about here in just a bit. Um, it was it was you really synthesized some things well, um, and I thought that you tied some things together that aren't often brought together in the fabric of awareness. So I really appreciate it. I've recommended it to a bunch of my friends because I feel like if you haven't been exploring mysticism or quantum physics, or you haven't come across something esoteric like law of one or the hermetic teachings or any of this stuff, it's a really great way of describing the landscape. I just really appreciate it. And I I wanted to ask you off the get-go, like we, you and I have both been seekers and it seems like we've come across some of the same interesting material to make sense of the journey, the hero's journey. When did you start it? Like, were you, did you get started in your 20s? Like, where was the on-ramp, I guess, for you is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, uh, For me, it's been a a kind of a roundabout way. It's been an interesting thing. So the first time I remember uh, contemplating this stuff, I was actually about seven years old. And I remember, I still remember specifically, I, I was about to have a bath and I was standing there in the bathroom and I was like trying to imagine what, it would be like for there not, for nothing to exist. And mm. I couldn't wrap my head around that because I'm like, what well, nothing is something. So I was like, well, before <laughs> God made the universe, what was there? And there's nothing, but it's like, but how could there be nothing? And it would just drive me crazy, this existential question. So I always had that kind of thing in me at, from a very young age. Yeah. Um, I read conversations with God when I was like 13. I was like completely engrossed in that. Uh, and then, but I always had this kind of... Um, dual aspect to my personality so on the human level I had all this ambition I wanted to become rich I Mm -hmm. wanted to become a professional stock trader I wanted to be one of the best in the world so just all this kind of worldly ambition stuff Uh, and then on this other side I had this deep longing for truths and it was kind of like I would sit there and question throughout my teenage years like what's the point of all this we're gonna so we're going to grow up. Yeah, fine. Maybe I'll grow up and become successful and I'll have a family. I'll make money. I'll do all this. And then I'm going to die. So what's the point? Like, why? Like, so that always kind of, um, that question always engaged me until um, late teens, I think maybe 19, 20, I, um, I discovered this, um, this meditation teacher uh, from India and it was pretty westernized actually, but, but he was teaching meditation and he was, he was really talking. He kind, it kind of resembled Eckhart Tolle's teachings just about yep. the power of now, essentially about being present, being the now. And it really touched my heart on a deep level. And I'd find myself instead of going out with my friends or something, I'd find myself at home. It was a VCR at that point, but like watching videotapes of, of his, of his talks. And it was really touching me. Eventually I learned meditation and I was meditating you know, for a period of about five years, anywhere between one to four hours a day, like every single day. Um, and I talked about one of the grand experiences in my meditation in my book, in one of the final chapters. And that's what kind of spurred me along having like this kind of experience of, um, 
being completely out of body, a completely different dimension of consciousness. And I just wanted to kind of get back to it every day. I'd try. Uh, eventually, I realized it's not about trying to, you know, crave or, or grasp at getting back to it. It's about more about living from that state of being. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the actual teachings, the first real book that really kind of got me was actually The Power of Now by Cartoy. And I was like, yeah. wow, this, I've been a slave to my mind this whole time and I had no idea. And that's when I first discovered the ego and there's this voice in my head that's chattering away and it's not really me. <laughs> it yeah. was such yeah. a wake up. I was like, wow, what do you mean that's not really me? And even as I was thinking about it, I'm like, what? The one that's thinking about it, that's also it. Oh my God. And it was just so freaky, you know? <laughs> it's funny that uh, that, that book... Because that that is such a gateway book because I think it brilliantly conveys these really simple but powerful Eastern principles to the Western. You know, I mean, yeah. I think power of I, I got I, I on ramped with um, Ram Dass's "Be Here Now," which was kind mm. of a, a psychedelic version of that, sure. basically. Yeah. But then, um, you know, years later, came across Eckhart Tolle, and again, it really solidified this kind of uh, you know being able to witness. Um, the madness of the mind, in a sense, yeah. to create yeah. your reality out of you know thought patterns that maybe is not what your higher self wants from you. So exactly. yeah, yeah, and I think that's the key of any great teaching. I think has to expose that aspect. Yeah, uh, and then eventually, I just kind of from there, I, I was at the same time I was a trader, and I was still wanting to be one of the greatest traders ever. And so I <laughs> I noticed that what happened was. The market was exposing all these hidden unconscious parts of me. I didn't mm. have rage and I'd be like getting so angry. I was like, what the hell is it? I'd never even seen this stuff, but it was triggering it all to come up to the surface. And so in my ambition to become a really good trader, I'd get my hands on anything, spirituality, psychology, and all that. And that's when I actually felt really deep into it, funny enough to try to achieve something worldly, but then it became a path in its own, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and eventually, you know, got to reading all the different Non great non dual texts and then law of one and all that stuff that tied everything together. So that's kind of how my journey has been. It's been kind of this uh, inner, yeah. inner conflict between the world ambition and the deeper, more kind of truth seeking. <laughs> so it's been- that's great. I loved a lot of things about your book, but your presentation of law of one, which a lot of our listeners might not know about, it's considered a channeled a material, but it really echoes some of the same um, hermetic teachings in the Western tradition around all is one. You know, I think hermetic, the, the hermet, one of the her- grounds of the hermetic principles is all is in the one and the one is in the all. And that, that's one of the foundations of it. And um, I found with Law of One at the beginning, I mean, it rang with truth for sure, but there's a lot of strands. And one of the things I loved about your book is it, it distilled it down to some of the essentials. Yeah. You have an illustration in there, a visual illustration around the different interlocking dimensions, yeah. um, which is brilliant. And one of the things I've always loved about Law of One is it helps reconcile darkness and lightness and good and evil with, the, with itself, um, um, service to self and service to others. Um, it explains a lot of what we see um, in a way that the heart and the mind can go, oh yeah, yeah, I understand it on a on a higher level now. But I wanted to ask you, just like for our listeners, what would be a good way of describing, you know, an on ramp to what the law of one is? Yeah. So I mean, I think uh, I always like to go to the heart of a teaching, 
And uh, there's, I mean, it's, you know, several volumes, the law of one, and uh, you can get really bogged down into all these technical things. And it, there is some brilliant science in there, some things that are just, you know, mind boggling, but at the heart of it is like, how does this help me on a practical level? And I feel something that really helps people on a practical level, and I've gotten feedback from a lot of readers that have sent me emails, is understanding our place in, in kind of the universe, the cosmos, and 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 beyond, not just the visible mm-hmm. universe, but, you know, and beyond, and is understanding kind of why we're here, what the purpose is, and like you said, how can we reconcile these things? Like, oh, we say all is one, but then you see great evil, and you say, well, how does that fit in? You know, yeah. and yeah. so um, and so that's why I wanted to distill uh, the heart of the love one in, in my book and. And really, I'll, I'll, descri- I'll describe it as, you know, like the map of existence, right? So the idea is that the creator um, is pure awareness or pure consciousness. It's formless. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really, these are just words that can't actually describe the indescribable. But, you know, we have to use language. And so it not knowing itself um, in in a certain way wanted to experience itself an infinite number of ways. Mm-hmm. And to do that, it literally, and, and, and I'm talking about it sequentially as a, a linear thing, but I think that's because that's how the human brain thinks, but we, it's more of an isness that just is, and <laughs> you know, but from, from a linear perspective, it's like it wanted to experience itself. So it creates the manifest universe, but there's the catch since it is only one thing, everything in the universe is itself, but there's a sort of amnesia that occurs once the universe is created and all these all these different beings like us and, and, and even inanimate things like, you know, mountains and, and, and stars and everything in, in existence is still this same consciousness. However, on certain levels, it has forgotten that it is the one, you know, the one, the creator, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so it's almost like, you know, the creator's playing hide and, hide and seek with itself. It's, it, it's like, it's the, God, if you want to call it that from a non-religious perspective, is everything. Every single one of us and everything else are like cells that make up its body. And these cells essentially have forgotten that, oh, this, what I am is the one. And from a relative standpoint, they make their way back them back up the evolutionary ladder towards the recognition of their, um, Essential divinity. nature, yeah, 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 yeah. Of their divinity, yeah. And so, from a, from a practical perspective of getting down to good and evil, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, the the law of one describes it as eight eight densities, and a density is kind of a, a level of vibration. It's just you know anyone who has looked at quantum physics or anything realizes that the universe is just different um, energy vibrating at different levels, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so densities are different levels of vibration. And so when we go from the first density would be like um, matter, like, you know, rocks and all these things. And then you go second densities like plants and trees, third density and, and second density also like animals. And then third density would be, like humans and and the law of one is described third density is the density of choice mm-hmm. so before you were just kind of gaining the ex- experience of of just being and of growth but then in the third density now you have free will 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and now there's a choice. Do you want to serve the creator's experience of itself by serving others or do you want to do it by serving yourself? Now, serving others would be called love and serving yourself would be essentially a distorted form of love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, you are feel, you feel so cut off and separate from the whole. You've so forgotten your divine nature that you feel that to to um, to be happy and fulfilled, you need power over others, and so you go that path. Now, eventually. There's something called an ascension process whereby, uh, you know, a few thousand years, the universe is like a graduation almost of sorts. Um, and then, you know, souls will go up the densities. Now, if you've chosen to serve others, you'll go to fourth density positive. If you've chosen to serve uh, yourself and through power and manipulation, fear and all that, you'll go to fourth density negative. Now, the idea here is you keep progressing until in the sixth density, you merge back together. Now, here's where people have some difficulty with it. Say, well, how can people who have done horrible things and evil acts and all that eventually be rewarded with a sixth density, essentially heavenly state where they merge back uh, into this oneness with even the positive side. And that could be hard to understand until we realize that all these negative beings are you. (laughs) You are the the oneness itself. And you've just kind of doing this grand play. That's why it's called an illusion. It's an illusion of separation. And so... uh, from the ultimate pers- from the relative perspective there's definitely right and wrong and these neg- the people who choose a negative path even though it might seem like they're getting ahead there's karmic um there's karmic uh, consequences for them they will suffer a great deal uh, mm-hmm. until they kind of merge back into the positive and they would have suffered so much by the time they merged back on the positive timeline, that they would have essentially gotten their, you know, ju- justice for for what they had done. But in yeah. in the end, um, they're also serving a positive role because they are acting as the teachers for the positive side. So yeah, that's great. I mean, I I think one one of the ways it's really helped me is because one of the ways I can get tripped up in the illusion, so to speak, is I can get into conspiracy dark and light and stop there where I'm like, you know, I'm on the light side and, you know, the cabal is like, Mm -hmm. you know, twisting the narrative in the media and all this stuff. And so there's a part of me that wants to really engage in that. And one of the ways law of one has really helped is just say, Hey, listen, that's just, that's the other side. It's everybody's playing for the same team ultimately, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's, that's enormously freeing because I really don't want to be mad at the other side. Exactly, I want to feel like it's all, you know, we're all on one team. Um, and like, I, I think what you said is really great because I remember reading it in Law of One was that it's not like everybody arrives there, you know, without consequence. It's not punishment, but they were saying, you know, the service to self um, entities, there's a heavy karmic debt to arrive sure. later on. You know, you yeah. don't get to re- wage war and kill women and children and and do all these things that you know are not right without it unfolding in a natural way. So it's not like yeah. there's there's a snap the finger in there, you know, for lack of a better way in some heavenly realm. You know what I mean? No, for sure, yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> they they're definitely choosing the much harder path, let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And which is why a minority of souls actually end up on that. Uh, on that path. But I think you make a great point of, of, I think what I see in the 
spiritual awakening community where people, you know, call themselves light workers or whatever is this very thing. Is this, they see what's happening uh, negative in the world, the cabal and, you know, the deep state, the Illuminati, all this stuff that, that occurs. And they feel a natural anger towards that, which is, you know, which is obviously normal to feel as a human being because you're you're divine, but you're also human. And uh, so that's natural to feel that. But then a lot of people get sucked into that and they, um, and they, and it's always a fight against the darkness, a fight against the darkness. And this yep. parallels their, their fight against their own darkness. This out, outwardly is just a projection of their own lack of acceptance and love towards their own darkness. It's the same thing. Yep. And so the true way is actually a transcendence of the polarities. Yep. Um, not feeling like, oh, I'm light against the dark, but a transcendence of both and holding both in unconditional love. And that's the real key. Not easy, but that's the no, key. But that's the great gateway. I mean, I can tell by how I feel because if I start getting too much into that stuff, yeah. I just I just start feeling you just angry. feel bad. Yeah, yeah I'm just, I feel, feel suspicious. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I want to fight those bad guys. It's only tell- yeah, yeah, exactly. It's when I transcend it that all of a sudden I'm like, oh wait a minute, I get the whole thing. Okay, these guys are. My brother. That's the key. (laughs) But that's the key. Always use how you feel as a gauge. Look, whenever you're into sucked into that side and you're feeling angry, just realize, well, I'm not at peace. Then obviously my mind has got me. Obviously I've been sucked into a trap. The only time you know you're on the right path is when you're feeling light and relaxed and in in peace. And usually, obviously (laughs) you have to have loving thoughts and and peaceful thoughts to be (laughs) in that state. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah, point. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's such an opportunity right now. We're we're given this great chance to transcend whatever boundaries or whatever projections we had. Um, this kind of uh, you know see, seeing seeing the unity right now is becoming the power move for a lot of us, and it's it's I, I feel like we're really gaining some new skills where. Uh, when we were just complacent, maybe in our jobs and everything, it, it, things were moving, but not nearly as accelerated as right now. So this is, it's a mm-hmm. super, it's a super exciting time. I'm wondering, oh, incredible time. Yeah. You, you have a number of practices that you recommend. And I thought, um, yeah, I think you had, there were seven or eight of them in the book, but I wondered if you could recommend a couple of them right now, given what kind of time we're in. I mean, since you wrote the book, COVID-19 has hit so that the spiritual landscape might be a little different. So I was wondering, maybe is there, is there one or two that maybe you would highly recommend, like maybe put this into your everyday practice right now because the time is ripe and this would yeah. really help. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I would recommend a couple that I think are very fitting for this time. One is um, kind of a focus on... Um, the collective, and then one is a focus on the personal. So starting with the collective, I think what's happening right now with this whole COVID-19 is a lot of people are treating the virus internally as they would what we were just discussing, as they would something evil, yeah. right? And and again, that's a normal response, right? And there's nothing, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But what I am saying is that that's not the response from a consciousness level once we understand how this universe is made that will actually have the most positive impact. The most positive impact is to realize that even this virus, whether it is natural, man-made, whatever, even this virus, right, 
is a form of consciousness. And every form of consciousness only wants acceptance and love. Now, someone could say, well, how can you love something that's killing people and all that? Well, I'm not saying love it as in, oh, want it to stay. What I'm saying is instead of every time you talk about a thing, this is such a horrible thing, you know, look at the positives that it's bringing mm-hmm. um, into the world and almost have compassion for it as this, uh, you know, as this thing that's hated by everyone. Uh, yeah. I think, I think if, if for one day everyone in the world just had compassion, the whole, the virus would dissolve. I, <laughs> I literally do. I think that's, that's how true. the power of our energy is. But having said that, if that, that might be a stretch for people. So what I would recommend is one practice in the book called uh, the embrace of love. And this has nothing to do with the virus itself, but it would have a positive impact on that uh, because, you know, it, it uses the energy of love and that is going to have a positive impact regardless. So the, the embrace of love is a practice, a very simple practice where you, you know, you close your eyes, get in a relaxed state. And all you do is you conjure up a feeling of love. You can do that if it comes up by itself, fine. If not, you can think of someone you love deeply. Let that um, feeling come up and then start extending it beyond your body to your room, whoever's in the house, and just kind of feel this energy like embracing them, right? So feet, literally, the, the, the key is the feeling, not just a visualization, but feeling into it, like feeling your essence of love embracing this room and whoever is in it, and then the building or, or, or whatever your surroundings and your town or city and it's growing and to the, your whole country and then to the neighboring countries, eventually as it spreads around the whole globe and holds everything and everyone, humanity and everything, and that would include COVID, yeah. in a blanket of love. And if, if people were to do this practice every day for just a few minutes first of all they'd feel much better and a lot less negative and fearful but second of all it would actually have a direct impact on the collective consciousness of humanity and it would uh, help the situation so that would be the first practice i'd recommend the second one is a personal one called um, embracing the darkness and here um i would uh recommend that people um, face their fears that this, this, this virus is bringing up, face their uncertainties, face their mm-hmm. doubts or whatever is bringing up in them. Um, if it's taking away some things, face their cravings, their addictions, whatever it is, right? Uh, so sit quietly again, get relaxed, and then consciously allow, instead of running away from these things that seem so dark, consciously allow one or more of them to come up into your awareness, but don't engage with it from a place of, you know, total identification like we usually do with thought, but rather be the witness of just look at it and look at it as a parent would look at a child, an unruly child, let's say, with compassion, right? Look at it, just hold it there with compassion Mm -hmm. and realize that it's something deeper that just wants to be understood and wants to be met with love. It's not what it seems. Mm -hmm. And the more you can do that, the more you can transmute uh, fear and anger and uncertainty and doubt and all these things into something uh, positive that actually heals these emotions, allows them to be released positively. And then uh, again, you just feel a lot more peaceful and a lot better. In the world. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's the first time I think I've heard 
anyone say, let's send um, compassion to the virus itself. I think that's a brilliant yeah. move right now. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's, it, we are projecting a lot of fear so on, much. <laughs> onto this concept, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, well, Ziad, it's been so great to talk to you. Is there any creative projects or workshops, uh, website that you would like our listeners to know about? Um, or where would you like them to go purchase your book, uh, Reality Unveiled? Well, Reality Unveiled is available on Amazon. It's also on yep. Audible. Um, yep. It's actually also been translated into a few uh, foreign languages, uh, Portuguese, Chinese, Danish, and um, Russian. So if anyone's in those countries. Nice. Uh, but uh, my latest project is uh, my website called soulhub.com. Okay. And um, that's basically been something that I started um, few months ago and um, on that site I'm basically teaching people uh, very practical ways to get into a higher state of consciousness and evolve on a soul level um, through meditative practices through um, different inner work type practices both direct uh, that lead you to the direct experience of truth and indirect that means kind of removing the blocks and the emotional issues and all that that would then allow you to experience the truth of your being so if you go to soulhub.com on there i have two free webinars and they're each a couple hours long so it's some really really uh, in-depth stuff i don't hold things back i go really in-depth this is a combination of about 20 years of experience in research and then i also have a partner on there who also has been doing this for about 20 years so combine about 40 years of uh, experience and research into this stuff and people have been really raving about it and so i think um you know that's what i would recommend uh, just free resources there that people can check out and soon we'll be launching a community that will help support people kind of bring people together and especially in a time like this and uh, have daily inspiration directly from me and have questions to answers and all these things. That's great. Ziad, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Keep up the great work. You're, you're serving humanity. Um, great job on your book. I'm going to mention it in the uh, outro and just thanks for coming on. Let's do this again as this unfolds a little bit and we've got sure. uh, another conversation. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for the great questions and thanks for having me. You bet. I really enjoyed connecting with Ziad. It's not every day that I get to have such an authentic conversation with someone in Dubai. His book, Reality Unveiled, is excellent. As I said in the interview, it's one of the best introductions I've seen to some of the more powerful esoteric teachings that you might find out there. His writing style is natural and conversational and brings you right into the most relevant material. It's a nice balance between metaphysics, quantum physics, and the perennial philosophy. You can find it on Amazon. And for more information on Ziad Masri and what he has going on, go to www.soulhub.com. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.